Welcome back, nature lovers, to another episode of the Spooky Bunch Podcast. We're really excited to have you all listening in. We do have that sweet discount code. So if you want some some cool merch, you're going to put in Spooky2022. That's S-P-O-O-K-Y number 2022. And with that, let's get into it. Welcome back, nature lovers, to another episode of the Birdie Bunch podcast, where we talk everything conservation, education, and fascination. My name is Brittany, and I am joined by my two friends and co-hosts. My name is Spooky CJ. My name is Regular Matt. How are we doing this week, folks? Extra spooky. Extra tired. Actually, yeah, that's far more accurate. I'm friggin' exhausted, my dude, my my dudes. I'm so tired. Yeah. Any any fun birds this week? Really, not too many. I've been leading um, some programs for work, kind of at like a local nature area, and. Um, yeah, seen some cool migratory stuff, a couple warblers. Most of my favorite birds are really headed out right now. Like most of the herons are gone. A lot of the fun songbirds are going to be gone soon. I don't know. I'm looking forward to duck season, though. Looking forward to duck season. Ironically enough, actually, I um, was working last weekend at the park and I got a call saying that there was a Wilson's phalarope in the park, which is, it's like a little, it's a chunky little shorebird. Um, and it's cool because phalaropes um, are sexually dimorphic, meaning that the males and females look different. But the females in phalaropes are the more colorful ones. I think that's very cool. Um, it's really evident. Cool. It's very evident with like red phalarope and redneck phalarope. Um, but Wilson's phalarope just kind of popped up randomly. And I also think they're really cool because the way that they eat is they will like spin around in circles in the water column. And then it creates this little vortex that brings up like little crustaceans and stuff to the surface. And so you'll see them spinning around just going boop, 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 boop through the water. And it's really, really funny to watch. It's really, really cool. So I added that to my life list. It's pretty cool. Just goofy guys, huh? They are just goofy guys. Brittany, how are you? I'm good. I'm actually really good. I'm hoping to be able to to maybe start joining you, CJ, on some adventures for birding. <gasps> what? Yeah. All right, Cat. What's our next segment, Cat? Meow. <laughs> he actually meowed. <laughs> I swear, I thought that was you. <laughs> Anywho. Well, I'm glad everybody is doing at least somewhat okay. Maybe get some more sleep. Um, but with that, we can head over to our first segment, the creature feature. Uh-huh. 
Fantastic. So this week's spooky creature feature is pretty spooky. Um, any non-spoilery hints or teasers for this week's creature feature? Kind of funny because my brother's name is Bob. Yeah. Kind my dad's funny. name is Bob. My yeah. dad's name is Bob. Would you like to know what my grandpa's name is? Joseph. No, Bob. <laughs> my great grandpa was named Hoot. Hoot? Hoot. H H O O T. Like yes. like an You're owl lying. goes. Hoot. No, no, his name was Harold, but ever since he was 15, he was called Hoot cuz he worked for Groot, so they called him Groot Hoot. So it was great grandpa Hoot. You're lying. This is a fa- this is a fake no, story. No, no. No. There's um I'm calling Devalga right now. Oh, you very well <laughs> could. No, this is um we have we have his old Lincoln, which was like a 1990 or something like Lincoln Town Lincoln Car. Lincoln was a president, so Okay. Lincoln was also a Ford conglomerate. It was like a company below Ford. It was like how Disney owns ABC. Lincoln is like Ford owned Lincoln. It's uh he the license plate is Hoot 97 because he got the car in 97 and his nickname was Hoot. Huh. Groot Hoot. Well, isn't that just a hoot and a half? It sure is. Maybe even hoot and three quarters because he was a big old man. <laughs> like, that's kind of what did him in, big old man kind of thing. Brittany liked that one. Brittany really liked that one. It was just like the inflection. Boys, <laughs> <laughs> a big old man. <laughs> Brittany liked that one. That was good. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'll be here all. You know, all recording, <laughs> basically. Yeah. So similarly to Matt's brother, father, and grandfather, but not his great grandfather and Brittany's father, um, our creature feature today is in fact named Bob. First name Bob, last name Cat. So our creature feature is a bobcat. Bobcats are pretty exciting species. They're about twice the size of a domestic cat, but pretty much smaller than the Canada lynx. Um, they have really short, dense fur. It's soft, generally. It's kind of more reddish in the summer and more gray in the winter, sort of be able to kind of camouflage once it snows. They're kind of mostly all over the United States, particularly here in Illinois, where I live. They can be found in every county. So bobcats have kind of a varied range, um, going from the south of Florida all the way up through Canada and Alaska. They are definitely kind of categorized as predators, right? They're felines. So, for instance, they might prey on things like rabbits, squirrels, rats, mice, possums, raccoons, jays, robins, wrens, and occasionally even deer. They're really opportunistic feeders, have often been seen to kind of feed on fresh carrion as well. And as I mentioned, they can live pretty much anywhere. They're a much more generalist predator than things like cougars or lynx because they've been able to adapt to a wide variety of habitats from freezing cold up in Canada down to the warmer climates in the southern United States, even going into Mexico. Even though they do have a wide range, uh, their numbers are not as high as they used to be. The most common predator of a bobcat, believe it or not, is in fact man. Hunters are allowed to hunt bobcats in some areas. Um, They're also known to be eaten by mountain lions and wolves. So they're not uh, kind of a top predator, but sort of kind of in-between on that food chain. They get their name from their bobbed tail, which basically just means they have a kind of a shorter tail than most other felines. They have a cat with like a long kind of tail that helps them balance. 
these guys don't necessarily have that. It's really just pretty short and almost looks like it was like chopped off. But that's really about how it looks. They're a really unique species. And my favorite fact about them is actually their weird sound. But before we kind of spoil anything for later in this episode, uh, I'll let you guys share your thoughts on the bobcat. Every time I think about bobcats, I think about the TikTok of like the, the little, little like bobcat. yeah, the like the little three or four year old kid on his kitty. <laughs> He's like got a big old bobcat. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good one, actually. That's what I'm talking about, son. What you got there? Big old bobcat. Those are my all of my thoughts. <laughs> um. No, I think, yeah, they're really common where we're from. So I don't think people realize, though, how common, like, when you live in the yeah. city and stuff, I don't think people real, really realize just how common they are, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, they're also so secretive is the other thing. Like, I know a lot of people who, like, know they live around bobcats, but, like, only get them on, like, camera traps. And, like, you, you yeah. rarely ever see them out there. I mean, that's super real, right? So like I mentioned, bobcats, pretty common here in Illinois. They can be seen Mm. in every single county here, even Cook County where Chicago is. Most people think Chicago is such a giant city, very urban, you know, all these giant skyscrapers. But we're a pretty green city given everything. Um, You know, urban ecology is something that I've been kind of learning a lot about recently. And it's really interesting to kind of understand uh, how different wildlife interacts in the city particularly things like bobcats and coyotes, right? These predators that we don't really expect to see. Matt mentioned, like, they're kind of secretive, which is so true. I know people who have, like, seen bobcat tracks, but never seen a bobcat. Or heard a bobcat, but never seen one. So definitely we can uh, move on to some of that stuff later in this episode. But for now, let's move on to our current events segment. Take it away, Matt. Today's current event is brought to you by a couple different sources. Um, first off, Kellogg's. When the day starts out, lift up your head and shout. It's going to be a great day. Time to get going. Kellogg's waits for you with vitamins, iron to help and you have a great day. A very good part of starting your bright new morning, Miss Kellogg's Way. Loops or rice or snacks. Flakes or bran or jacks. With Kellogg's you'll start a great day. Any one of these Kellogg's cereals is a nutritious part of this complete breakfast. And that includes milk, juice, toast, and spread. When you start with Kellogg's, we'll be there to help you say... It's going to be a great day. A very good part of starting your bright new morning. This Kellogg's way. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but I found the original, like it, it was a write-up on a paper that was published. Original article is found in Manga Bay. Uh, we've got a link to that there on the website. It's by Stephen Taglieri. Uh, it was published on September 1st, 2022, titled Small Conservation Areas Provide Large Benefits for Biodiversity. And it's a commentary. So basically it's like um, an op-ed written by an author about 
a published article. I'm not going to break down what that are, you know, what the actual, you know, written article here says, like I said, we'll have the link. So if you'd like to read it, it is a good read. Um, but more importantly, I wanted to kind of highlight the way it does this um, paper published by Federico Riva and Lenore Farig on March 21st, 2022. Um, Farig in particular is actually a scientist who I have studied extensively from a class that I took. And basically her stance was that as far as like conservation biology goes, there's a good chance it might be more beneficial to have a larger network of smaller patches of saved habitat rather than one big one, um, kind of like a network kind of thing. And their article is titled The Disproportionately High Value of Small Patches for Biodiversity Conservation. Basically, what they did was they looked into a bunch of studies um, with 32 data sets, and it totaled 603 patches, which is a, a piece of habitat as well as 2,290 taxa, so about 2,300 species. What it did was it examined the relationship between patch size, so habitat size, and biodiversity. I'm not going to go into the nitty-gritty of how they did this. There's a bunch of statistical modeling and all that blah, 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 blah. But what they found was that sets of small patches, so networks of smaller habitats rather than one just big chunk in the middle of nowhere, harbored more species than the large ones, even when they only considered species of concern. So like conservation status, something endangered, threatened. And then the other thing was that even when those patches were really, really small compared to the large ones, they still had higher biodiversity. And that's really interesting because when you think of like conservation, the first places you think of, at least in the United States, you're looking at the national parks, right? There are these massive swatches of land set aside for preservation and conservation and all that kind of stuff. But there's a growing population of people who think that, at the very least, this isn't good enough on its own. I myself, one, in, you know, one included. I personally think that you ought to probably have like a mixture of both, right? Rather than one small patch or a small network of patches in the middle of nowhere or one really big place like the national parks and then surrounded by corn as far as the art can see. Personally, I'm of the opinion that you kind of need to set aside a network of both so that species can move in between them, you know, especially when there's species like bison, which for them to return require a large, large, large amount of land. But at the same time, it is really interesting to show data that at the very least, you know, it's highly contested still whether or not Farig is right um, that smaller habitats and smaller parcels are better for conservation than big ones. That's a really highly contested debate in science that goes back all the way to about the 1950s. But nonetheless, it is important and really interesting to show that a lot of these smaller places, you know, like your, you know, if you look at Chicago, like these urban lots that have just, you know, a little pollinator garden spread somewhere, or you go to like your um, your state parks or even like your county forest preserves. It's really interesting and really, really rewarding to see that like all these places have value in the same way that a really large place like a national park does. And so it's really, really cool to see people catching on that these places that are just around the corner from you are just as important, you know, for seeing things like great blue herons and egrets and all these waterfowl or bugs or frogs or salamanders or literally anything 
you know, it's important to just have habitat. And so I do think it's really, really, really cool just to have science that supports both. Because at the end of the day, land is land and any habitat we can set aside for species is, in my opinion, a net good. I'm still confused as to what that means. So basically what they're saying is um, you have, when you're looking at like landscape ecology, you can either have, if you've got a whole area that's like a hundred units and then you can either have, if you're trying to total 75 units of preserved habitat, you can either have three habitats of 25 units out of your whole thing, or you can have one seventy-five unit one. And so they're saying that it's better for conservation to have the broken down three units of 25 rather than the one big 75. So it's like the state Got park it. system of like a network of habitats versus the Got national it. park of just one big piece of land. Got it. Okay. I understand now. It's cool science. It's really cool science. I don't know how much I lean into it being better, but at the very least it shows that it's important and that's what matters to me. Yeah. I mean, we see a lot of that stuff. Um, you know, I, I, like I said, at the place where I work, we have um, a really accessible nature area. And that nature area is set, like split up into multiple different types of habitats, right? We kind of have this marshy habitat, this wetland. Uh, we have some forested area with, you know, some sparse trees and, you know, some high, you know, oaks. And then we even have some, like, prairie grasses and, you know, and kind of having these varied habitats, these varied ecosystems within this one space really does allow for multiple different species to be there. And that's, you know, in the middle of the city, right? So I think it's really, really interesting to kind of think about how this current event could apply nationally, globally, right? To kind of these, you know, network, this link of multiple ecosystems through parks as opposed to kind of giant ecosystems. That's really fascinating. Thanks for sharing that, Matt. Yeah, I will say, um, just before we head out really quick, um, I think, and I really love, because the first time that I, thing that I thought of while reading this was the application, right? And like this application, I remember talking to a lot of people who really, really vehemently were against this idea that like smaller habitats could be just as good, if not better than larger ones. And, you know, what they were thinking of was like breaking down the national parks. So like going into Yosemite and kind of dismantling it and taking it apart. But personally, for me, this has like a really restorative value to it. So, you know, like I said, you know, in cities, you have a bunch of, you know, little places of greenery that currently are just grass. But if you were to set aside like just flowers in there, you know, or like just, you know, plant a tree or two or something like that. I kind of add those into the mix. That could be a really, really powerful net positive for allowing biodiversity to thrive within a system that has so long been stripped of environmental uh you know whatever and so i think that's what's really cool about it is just the ability to restore places rather than you know looking at a blueprint for how to break them down i think it takes a little paradigm shift but i think it's it's fascinating work at the end of the day all right thank you again matt for sharing that current event but I think we're going to head on over to our, our spooky main topic. <laughs> oh, 
today we are going to talk all about spooky noises that spooky little creatures make. And so I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to have you all listen to the audio clip that I have and then have you take a guess as to what the animal is. What a weird one. My first impression is a type of frog. A type of frog, I feel like, is a pretty good guess. So no? hit number one is that it is a mammal. Okay. Not even close to a type of frog. No, no. Frogs are mammals. I I think mammals can be amphibious, but am, mammals are not amphibians. Mamphibian. Mamphibian. You're right. I apologize. Does this animal live in the New World or the Old World? New World is North and South America. Old World is Africa, Europe, and Asia. New World. So it's a New World mammal. Is it in the same like family group as armadillos, sloths, and uh, anteaters? Yes. Okay. We're for sure it's not a frog. It does have big frog vibes. Gotta be honest, does have big frog vibes. I want to guess it's a uh, tamandua, but I'm not 100% sure. Not a tamandua? Okay. Not a tamandua. A giant anteater. No. Is it just a, is it just a sloth? Nope. Is it, is it, is it an armadillo? Is it nine banded? Is, oh, nope. it's a tiny screaming one. It's the screaming one. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the, the yellow screaming, screaming airy armadillo. Yeah. I forgot there was a screaming armadillo. Oh man! Wow, oh no! What a, what a great first pick. Not I'll convinced it's not a frog. What a great one to start us off with. You want to give us some facts about them, Brittany? Yeah. So, um, yellow or yellow screaming hairy armadillos or screaming hairy armadillos um, are found in South America. They, like CJ, kind of spoiled or gave clues to when asking. Uh, they are related. They're in the same family as sloths and tamandawas um, and obviously other armadillo species. These guys, their main way to defend themselves is actually through that vocalization. So all armadillos kind of have their own unique way of being able to defend themselves. Some roll up into a ball. Others jump. Uh, the screaming hairy armadillo it screams and so they are very i think they're very adorable they do have um hair along their backs and these guys are like a desert species so um that hair kind of helps with like sand and stuff be able to get sand off of them um and they're just overall fantastic and you should, everybody i encourage everybody to go look them up because i love them but with that, we're going to move on to our next one. I was not expecting anything like that. I guess spooky ones. <laughs> okay, I know what this one is. I, I, got, I just My first impression is it gives big horse vibes. You're close. You okay, I'm. Cl you think I'm close? I mean, I'm love to hear. Take take close. a horse and put 
it's uh-huh. it's it's a big old bugling horse with antlers. That is a wapiti, aka an elk. Yeah. Oh, is it an elk? It's an elk. Mm-hmm. That is yeah. that wow. is an elk bugle. I used to, I, I used to, I used to love deer, and I so to, I, I used to love deer. And so I would like literally this man research, used to like, love deer, like moose sounds and like elk sounds. Like I was obsessed with elk for a while. Elk are so cool. They are very cool. They're so cool. You know, elk used to be like widespread throughout like most of the northern United States. Yep. It's like it, now we get stuck with crappy white-tailed deer, and it's like you could have had an elk instead. Yeah, elk is a elk is a great one. I did not know elk made a spooky sound. Great choice, Brittany. It's, it's yeah, that's a cool one. I'm glad you chose that. So this next one is a little bit different. Believe it or not, I do actually know what this is. And I hope Matt has a guess before I like go into if, it. I mean, if you've got a guess first, or if I if you know it, I would like to throw something out there. I'm pretty confident. I'm pretty confident. Um, that's a mammal. It's a mammal, like, yes. Like that's that's one hundred percent a mammal. It's got um, big mammal energy. Yeah, not, not, not there's, too, there's too much hatred in its heart for it to be anything else. <laughs> Same. Uh, if I had to guess, Matt, if I had to, if I had to guess, I'm gonna give Matt a hint from my guess, and I want Brittany to correct me if my my hints are wrong. Okay. Um, Matt, this animal is from Australia. Okay, so it's not like a dingo then, where it's like it's not no. from Australia. It's just it's there because feral dogs. If I had to guess, this is a Looney Tune. This is the Tasmanian Devil. Yes, it's a Tasmanian. Is it? Devil. That's, no, yeah. that's not. No, no. Yeah, Looney Tune. Mm-hmm. Looney Tune McGee. No, I saw all the tunes. They ne- <laughs> he never sounds like that. <laughs> <laughs> he never I mean, sounds like that. To be fair, it's like a pretty good like human approximation of that wild Looney Tunes. Okay. Sound. So um, they are found. They are from the island of Tasmania. Right, which is a state uh, in Australia. I read it because it says it's been reintroduced to mainland Australia. Yeah, yeah that's true. Which is what I was thinking. Uh, okay. Yeah, there was something that happened relatively recently. I think it was late last year, early this year, and maybe it was early last year. I don't remember. Aren't they like all um, diseased? They're the main yeah. version of uh of a of the 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 coal of the coal, yeah. Yeah, like, but they do, like, they do have like a crazy disease. I don't remember what it is, but they were doing a lot of reintroduction on the mainland because I they do have like, a lot of disease. Gonorrhea. I think, I think it was in New South Wales, right outside of Sydney, is when they had like a Tasmanian double preserve that had like none with this disease, and there was like do it was a pretty good breeding population there, I think. It's devil facial tumor disease. Yeah. It makes them look all wonky. It's an aggressive, non-viral, transmittable parasitic cancer. It's like are- it's, it's like it's like white nose syndrome. It's like specific and it's brutal. But I'm trying to figure out is it is it a 
what does that mean? Is it is it a parasite or is it? I think it's a parasite that causes stuff that causes it, that causes these growths. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. I thought it was yeah. just like the clap or some crap. No, that's koalas. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's koalas. Okay. I can't believe I got that. I was like, I'm like pretty sure. Well, for now, here is the next animal. I'm not positive, but is it a reptile? I think it's a reptile, too. It is a reptile. Okay. It's not a... Is it a crocodilian? I was going to yeah, I was going to guess a crocodile. It's, this gives it's me It's not a crocodile, but it's a crocodilian. Is it an American alligator? Yeah, it's an alligator. It is. Yeah. This it was giving, you know what it was giving me, CJ? The swamp. Yes. It, it was giving me the swamp. I remember I used uh, to Oh, abuse, you know what? I used to abuse totally. the crap out of that button. <laughs> I literally I would sit there. I remember game. there was one day like my mom tried to kick me out of the freaking exhibit because I would yeah. just sit there and press it until it stopped and then I'd press it again. And like some kid, I was like 15 too. I was just obsessed with that button. <laughs> I I think I I've had one moment in the swamp where I've never been prouder. I had I used to do like zoo days with my brother, yeah. and we'd go around and pit like pick animals, and I'd tell him all about it, whatever. And the one day we were sitting in swamp, we were looking at the alligators, and this little kid comes by and goes, "Mom, look at the crocodiles!" And Dave was like, "Well, actually." That's an alligator, and like, sorry to spew all the facts, and I was like, "Yes!" <laughs> Incredible! Incredible! Anyway, well, you know the difference between crocodile and alligator, right? One, see you later. The other Stop, one. Is that's after a, a joke while. I was gonna make. Stop! <laughs> that's a joke I was gonna make. Yeah. Incredible. Best friends. Anyway, hit us with the next one, B. Hit us with the next all one. All right. The other, the the way, next I one like should be one. louder. I like that one. Ready? I know this one. I know this one too. Yeah, I know this one. <laughs> Spoiler alert! It's our creature feature. <laughs> what you got there? Big old bobcat. A big old, big bobcat. old bobcat. What you got there? Big old bobcat. <laughs> I, I like that one. I'm gonna be honest. I like. Once I heard that, I've heard this sound before specifically at the place i work so i was like all right yeah that's seer right there horrifying it is it is especially when like you hear it when you don't want to like when you're not expecting that sound like like when you're there right it's like all right this is a creepy sound but like when when you when you hear that and you're not expecting it and like i can only imagine like being out in like arkansas in the woods and hearing that but like I'm of the belief that wait, most phantom... wait, was, was was that a dig at our last week's episode? Oh, absolutely. About... <laughs> no, the Ozark Howler absolutely does not exist. 
<laughs> no, it's it's literally like half of the cryptids that you hear in North America, just especially. Bobcats. Just bobcats. It's literally it's just bobcats. They're like, it's some haunting scream. I'm like, it's a bobcat. Yeah, They're like, a bobcat. but it sounded like a hyena. I was like, bobcat. bobcat. It sounded growling. Bobcat. Bobcat. It yeah. It was like bobcat. a snarl. Bobcat. It was yeah. like a high pitched scream. Maybe barn owl, but most likely bobcat. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. That's a pretty good one, Brittany. Thanks for sharing that one. That one is yeah. an excellent pick. And I like that you chose that too, so we can go and bring back to last episode. Because, like, for those who believe in like half of those cryptids, sorry, bro, bobcat. A big old bobcat. Big old bobcat. Big old bobcat. All right. Speaking of which, yeah, you just you just mentioned it. Matt. Just, that's so funny. That's, funny. that's so funny, Matt. Just it's, it's like it's either, either a bobcat, it's either a bobcat or it's a barn owl. Speaking um, of Tito Alba, like it's yeah, a barn. Owl. Classic. Speaking of Jessica Alba, it's a oh, barn owl. Oh, Jessica! Wow, that's wild. I never made that connection until yeah, Tito so Alba. That, yeah, Tito Alba, Jessica Alba, barn owl. Absolutely. Mm -hmm classic yeah but anyways that is a sound like I, I i said last time i'm very accustomed to hearing bobcat i'm even more accustomed to hearing barn owl the barn owl that we have programs for programs is that, one, is, that, is that a video you can share matt or no i'm pretty sure i can okay you should i'm not positive but i'm pretty sure i can but um we have a barn owl named Bo who like is a jerkwad and like he hates me especially like he screams at me regularly and like the funniest thing is like bringing him out to like a bird program like taking him out and then going out and being like so yeah that horrific shriek that you just heard that's this bird and they're like what it's funny is all get up all right last but certainly not least is this what I think it is? Is this what I think it is? So it's also a mammal because I heard it scratching. I don't know. You're hearing what it says. Yeah, it's what I no! Or what is it? Hati 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 ho. Yeah, absolutely it is. Um, there was one of my favorite episodes from last season that definitely didn't perform as well as it could have. Was oh my god! And the red fox was in fact our creature feature that episode. Lord, I forgot about that. And we all learned all about what the fox says. So I'm pretty. It's the red fox, right? Yes. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Red fox, uh, don't make that gotta, you gotta, gotta pick, you know, 
What is the Incredible. That was a great one. What a fun episode. Yeah. It was. What a fun episode. I'm so happy you both enjoyed it. I enjoyed trying to find all of it. The looks I got at work because I was like out <laughs> like scrolling and just people. Honestly, I'm surprised there weren't more birds. There's a bunch of birds that make weird noises. There's the barn owl, but there's a bunch of weird bird noise that makes noises. I almost did the kookaburra as well. Oh, but... that's a classic. That's a classic. But the reason why I did it was because I tried to pick ones that were terrifying, but I should have just yes. used Matt's impression. <laughs> <laughs> Bully. <laughs> Oh, we had a bird with a pretty scary call uh, for a creature feature during our first ever uh, spooky bunch. Oh, and that yeah. was the Pesquets parrot or the Dracula parrot. Yeah. That was a cool That's, one. And that is on our spooky bunch logo, which you can pick up at our merch store. Use the code spooky2022. Mm-hmm. Okay, don't you have to do it. Do them, doing the job. <laughs> well, now that we've wrapped up all those spooky sounds, uh, we're gonna head on out of here, but first, uh, where can where can we all find you guys on social media? You can find me on the social meds on Instagram at cj.greco. That's cj.greco. And I don't know. Hopefully, we post some cool content. Maybe I'll post a video of an animal making a sound. Who knows? Matt. Y'all can find me on Instagram at Matt Valga. That is M-A-T-T-V as in Victor A-L-I-G-A. There's stuff. Um, yeah. You can find me on Instagram at the Brittany Bunch. T-H-E-B is in bird. R-I-T-T-A-N-Y underscore B is in Brichter U-N-C-H. But collectively, you can find us on Instagram at the Birdie Bunch Podcast. Um, on my own personal account. You've got some probably some life updates headed your way soon on our collective account. You always catching up on some cool birdie bunch content. Um, you might get some videos of um, of us just birdieing around. I don't know. Bur- birdieing a bunch. Birdieing a bunch. Um, but you can also find us on our website at thebradybunchpodcast.com. Um, that's where that merch store is at. Again, uh, use discount code SPOOKY2022 to get uh, 20% off of your um, off of your order. Get some cool merch. Uh, it's spooky season, but Christmas is coming up. And get it while it's hot. Brittany, you're mentioning Christmas stuff, huh? <laughs> Wow. Wow. Anywho, we're moving on. You could also, um, if you just want more content, more all things Birdie Bunch podcast, you can become our patron on Patreon. Um, shout out to Gabe Anderley uh, for being our patron. Uh, we love and appreciate you. And thanks. Um, you can, if you, if you don't feel like doing that, the best way to uh, kind of help support us is by recommending us to a friend. But you can also leave um, a review. If you, if you leave a five-star review, we will read it out here on 
podcast. We currently don't have any new reviews. Um, but if you rate us five stars, we'll read it out here um, and, and all of that fun jazz. But I think with that, we will catch you next time. Ooh, spooky episode. Ooh. Extra spooky because we're doing spooky voices. So I have tea. I'll stop the recording. Sorry, listeners, you don't get tea. Thanks so much, all you nature lovers, for listening to yet another episode of the Birdie Bunch podcast. We would especially like to thank Sarah Dunlap for designing our art for our episodes, as well as Connor Whitman for producing our music. The mission of the Birdie Bunch podcast is to inspire an inclusive community for conservation by using education to promote fascination.